0: Subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Hello,
1: ninjas from around the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Ninja Selling Podcast. If you are new here, if you are a new listener, which we have new listeners every single time and appreciate that, I'm Matt. He's Garrett. And if you want to join our community where we talk all things ninja and even more... It's a community for everybody who listens to the podcast and even some of those who are still getting introduced to the podcast. Head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash The Ninja Selling Podcast. That's where we hang out. If you ask questions of us, we'll be in there and answering those questions too. And every now and then we pop in and do a live video or a happy hour or something like that, which we are going to get more consistent with, I promise you. It's been a busy and exciting. It's a time thing. I shouldn't even say busy. It's been a full early summer we're only two days into summer (laughs) official summer unofficial summer we're about a month in and it's all good you know we got a lot of great things coming up a lot of installations are going to be coming up there's going to be an installation coming soon to a place that's going to be really awesome which we'll release that when that's officially officially announced So if you are interested in an installation, which is the four-day training to install Ninja Selling inside of you and your business, head over to ninjaselling.com, click on the calendar, and you will find all the installations that are available to you. You can also find more about coaching at that website as well or at ninjacoaching.com. So I think last time we just went right into it, Garrett, so I figured I'd give a little intro to these things. And uh, now we can dive into our topic, which I think is a really fun one today because there is some confusion going on out there. Uh, in terms of, oh, what should I be doing with my business? Who should I be targeting? Where should I be going after? And it's, does that matter? This is my first question, Garrett. And if it doesn't, then what should we be focused on? Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling, man? How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> <I'm> okay. <good.
0: laughs> you. I- It's interesting, this marketplace right now, because yes, there's lots of people running around going, what's happening? Where's it going? What do I need to be concerned about? Oh my gosh, what does this mean for the future of real estate? How people are going to buy homes? There's so many moving parts that are happening out in our marketplaces right now. Some of them are real and you need to pay attention to them. And some of them are, they're false leaders, which can make you kind of go down rabbit holes uh, if you don't kind of look at all the information. And I'm watching people do that, going, my marketplace is slowing. And you look at a couple other pieces of information, it's like, no, it's not. Calm down. Stay focused. Stay on path here. That's what I'm seeing a lot of, Matt. And I don't know if you want to answer that before we kind of jump into the full-blown topic from what you're seeing, but that's what I'm watching with the marketplaces right now. Yeah, a lot of that. I want to add into that real fast, is that... I think it's interesting to look at what's going to make business easy for the consumers to what's going to make business easy for us. And I think I want everybody to remember out there that as this marketplace does whatever it's doing, as we've talked about, marriages don't stop. Babies being born doesn't stop. Getting new jobs or losing jobs doesn't stop. People dying doesn't stop. Like There's all these things that are going to continue to happen that people are going to need your help. And so as long as you're clear on that, whatever marketplace we're in, your job is to help explain that marketplace so that they can make smart decisions to get themselves and their families where they need to go. That's your job. Don't get lost in my job is to sell and buy homes. Nope, you're here is to help people get to where they need to go.
1: Yeah, I think as a grounding piece, and we, I think we mentioned this either on the last episode or two episodes ago, during the Great Recession, so to speak, in 2008, 2009, we still sold over 4 million homes each year. So still a lot of homes being sold every year. I mean, yes, last year, 2021, $6.5 million, that's a lot. And it's over 50% higher than when it's low. But there's always closings happening. There's always transactions happening. And so I think that's the very first thing that we all have to keep in mind is I hear people say the markets come to a dead stop. It's like, really complete dead stop. Nobody's buying anything.
0: Everything's just sitting there. And it's just not true. It's not true. It goes back to what you focus on expands. And believe me, if you want to round up a handful of realtors out there right now that you want to commiserate with that everything stopped and it's all slowed down, you can find those realtors. They are there. You guys can all band arms and ride off into the sunset, understanding that there is no marketplace right now. There's also a whole bunch of people that do understand there's a marketplace that are putting lots of sales together, that their pipelines are packed with business right now. And if you want to Link arms with those people and run around the countryside, like that's an option for you also. Just pay attention. You're gonna find whatever you want to see out there. Yeah. And
1: you had mentioned this, Garrett, before we recorded as kind of part of this topic. And I think we mentioned this on last episode too. Is there's some people out there saying, Oh, I need to shift my strategy from listings to buyers now. And you had said, what's easy in this business? And listings, quote, have been easy. I would argue maybe a different definition of being a listing agent being easy and being a buyer's agent has been hard which I would agree but also give a slightly different definition around that and so oh we need to transition over to listen even in this market nationwide anyway I don't think that it's any easier to be a buyer's agent I mean you sure it's a little easier but it, it's still Whichever one you choose should be the one that you excel at and do great at. There's no reason why a marketplace, because even when the marketplace is down, 2008, 2009, over 4 million homes sold, there's a buyer
0: and seller on each side of those transactions. Always. So That's where people ask me. They're like, well, how much of my business should be listings? How much should be buyers? I'm like, well, if you're working with a really tight sphere of influence, a good group of people that know you, like you, and trust you, you're probably going to be about 50-50 like it's just kind of how it works out because everybody in that group needs to buy, needs to sell, like it kind of goes hand in hand with everything unless your entire database is renters, you might be higher on the buy side, <laughs> helping people purchase properties.
1: Or if you're in an area where there's a lot of people moving in versus an area where there's a lot of people moving out, like the thing is is it doesn't matter what the market is doing choose what you want to be an expert in go listen to our prior episode the skill set choose where you want to excel at your skill set and that's where you can live in any market but Gary you wanted to go deeper because this gets into alright well if i'm in one of those markets where there's people moving in and moving out where do i get the new business where does the new business come from and right now i'm hearing that come from a lot of people of like well so many people have hit the pause button where can i find new business, we kind of have a system for that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, our our core system is you got to be in flow with people. Like, You need to be connected with people and listening to their worlds. And this is why we brought up the marriage, divorce, job promotion, job demotion is that that stuff doesn't stop. So all the new business you want is inside your people. You just need to know who are the people I need to be paying attention to? Who do I need to be giving more time to? And this leads you to people that need your help. So this is where I brought this to the table before we started recording, Matt, of like, well, if our business is designed to figure out who needs our help getting through this marketplace, switching from the mentality of like, oh, the last marketplace we're in the last two years, oh, you just got to get listings. Like I've heard so many people going like, just get listings, get listings, get listings. Don't worry about buyers right now. Or people would come to me going like, I don't want buyers right now. Like I have buyers. I don't want any more. I want more listings. The flip side of that is we're going to have a lot of people coming up here and they're already starting to say it, which is what's causing me to bring this topic today. They're already saying, okay, transition, no more listings. Now we want to work with some buyers. Now that we're seeing inventory start to come up, now I want more buyers. And what I started to think about here, Matt, the other day was, one, who are the people that really need our help? Well, in the last two years, the buyers were the ones that really needed our help. They were the ones that had the most amount of headaches, the most amount of time and energy being put into something that their returns were happening one after another with defeat, defeat, defeat. And then you had some really good buyer's agents out there that were like, win, 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 win. And in a marketplace where the majority of agents are getting their butts handed to them because... When you have a property that gets 15 offers, only one of them is having a win. 14 other of them are having a, I got my butt kicked on that one. We got to try again now. When you are that agent that consistently has the systems that helps those people win, you have raving fans coming out of this time. I did not see as many agents that were listing agents through the last two years create raving fans. They did. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But when you look at the marketplace and they're like, way to go. You found us a buyer. Way to go. Like We had 15 offers come in and you helped us pick the best one. Yay, it sold in a couple of days. Okay, sweet. We're moving along. This was great. We sold a house to that buyer that has gone through what Larry used to call, and I think we're still calling it, we just haven't talked about it in a while, but walked through the valley of the shadow of death. They just went through that. You guys were locked in arms. I look at where this marketplace is going. And instead of going like, oh, switch to buyers, I need to get really like focused on buyers now. My thing is, is like sharpen your listing skills. Right now, this is your opportunity to get really good at your listing skills instead of dropping listings and going to buyers. Because if you can really hone in your listing skills, this is when now where your next raving fan group is going to be. I don't know, Matt. and just And this is where like waving the magic wand, what does the future look like? we don't know what this next market's going to be. So then I want to throw into your court, shouldn't we always be experts in the buy side and the sell side? Because it shouldn't really matter what the marketplace is doing. We should be up for anything that comes at us. And we should be able to look at our people and say, I've got the tools to get you to where you want to go.
1: Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And If you don't want to work with buyers or don't want to do listings, that's fine. That's a business decision. But don't let the market be the determining factor on that for you. Exactly. Just choose what you enjoy doing and you can lean into that. And quite frankly, if more agents did that, they would become experts in that realm. I used to work with an agent when I was listing and selling who I would do her listings because she only wanted to do buyers. She loved doing buyers. She didn't like having her face out there. She didn't like everything that came with listings. So she would just use buyers. And I would get the benefit of when she had a buyer who had a property to sell, I get to work with her and list the property. And she was great with buyers. And so there's always an opportunity. And Gary, you talk about creating raving fans, which is really the whole theme here. And you had mentioned it's finding the problem, finding the pain and helping them solve that. And I think even in the past two years, the best listing agents, which is a small percentage of, we apply Pareto's principle to everything. And I think you and I agree that the real estate world is more like a 90-10 versus an 80-20, meaning 10% of the agents do 90% of the business. And so those 10% in even then taking that and chopping that into 10% of that, which would be 1% for those of you doing the math. They're finding the pain or the goals, the true goals of these sellers and turning them into raving fans, even though all I need to do is put a sign in the front yard and the house will sell. And that's the key. I think when we think about creating raving fans, there's two elements, the flow. We talked about this on another episode, but then there is the skill. And that's really where the raving fan of your business comes in. And you got to wow people. You got to come out with a process that they are just like, that is amazing You got to come out with a process where it is clear that you're on the same team together. And that's the foundation of building a true raving fan. Garrett, what's a business that you're a raving fan
0: of? A business that I'm a raving fan of. I'm going to pick one of my local businesses here, which is Les Schwab Tires. I love Les Schwab Tires. Awesome. Why? I love that they are super consistent. They have amazing... Personalities, when you walk into that building, like they are always greeting you with just exuberant energy. I think it's funny, but I love it that they're all in white in a tire shop. And the later you come in the day, the dirtier and scrubbier they are. But when you get there in the morning, they're like pressed white shirts. And something about that for me, it's just like you guys are all working hard. Like you are all putting in time, effort. You can get that sense of like, work happening which i just for some reason i love that energy of the place are they the cheapest tires no are they the most no questions asked when you need help or you need service like my daughter we were just driving down to sacramento she had a tire that's low on our car Well, the trip computer told us that and you know she's like what do i need to do when we get back because i just put some air in it we're fine but it was nice for me to be able to tell her just take it to les schwab you don't have to worry about it all take it in tell them who you are they're going to take care of you. You'll be back on the road in maybe 15 know, or so minutes. That's a comfort level that I'm like, I love that company that I can send my kid down there and I know they're going to be taken care of.
1: You know they're going to solve your problem. Huge, right? And they'll help identify what that problem is. Now, can you relate tires to real estate? Maybe, maybe not. I think where it comes in is a lot of agents, I think, are listing homes and working with buyers when they don't truly understand what they're trying to solve. They think they're trying to solve selling a house or buying a house, which that's the process that's going to be used to solve the problem that exists. But if you don't know really what the problem is, you can still do a transaction, but you're probably not going to have a raving fan. You may have a fan.
0: Someone's like, that was great, but you may not have a raving fan. So here's my thing taking it, just sticking in a real estate line for a second. In any given market, the odds will vary from one person to the next of who has the highest favor in that marketplace. So we've been in a marketplace where if you talk to a seller and you want to sit down and say, well, let's talk about your odds of selling right now. Currently, right now and where we've been, those odds are very high that you're going to sell your house. They're very much in your favor. I have sold in markets where, and I I get the numbers mixed up because it's so long, ago, but it was like a four or 6% odds of selling. I think it was 4% odds of selling. I've been in that marketplace where the chances of us putting this home on the market and getting it sold is not great. Like we got to really step up our game. So that flips back and forth all the time. And sometimes we're in a neutral market where the favors kind of even. You know, it's not really for the buyers, it's not really for the sellers. If you want to create maximum raving fans in your business, figure out where the odds are low for your client to get success and become or understand how to help them navigate through that so they can have success. Is it the easy market to chase after? No, but you are the one that can make miracles happen for them. And when you see that that's a viable path for a long-term business solution, that's what I'm saying. Right now, I'd be looking at it as, I need to be upping my listing skills. I need to be bringing those online and just sharpening my axe. I think sharpening the axe is the best way. It's not that I ditch my listing skills if you're a true ninja out there. You didn't drop your listing skills during this time. You didn't offer less service. But this is your opportunity now to be like, okay, do I have all these skills in my tool belt and everything that I need to have that price reduction conversation if it has to happen? Do I have all the right people in my vendors to make this property shine on the marketplace so that we can still get those really great results for my clients? Am I going into every listing going, God, I hope this works? Or am I going into it going like, I got a system, I got a process, I have proven results, I've got a track record, let's do this, I'll get, I'll get you guys where you need to go. I'm going to make sure you're in that town for your new job. I've got the skills to get you there. If you chase the low odds and you get really good at producing results, massive raving fans long-term, massive referral-type business, this is where you have people screaming from the rooftop saying, that's my agent, here's how they help me. It's an opportunity. That a lot of people run the other direction because they're just looking like, oh, it's going to be easier to do this business over here right now. I get it.
1: Yeah. And I think for longevity of a business, you're actually going to do better by not chasing the easy business because the competition is going to be less at the hard business. Do you want to chase the easy business and compete with 1.6 million realtors? Or do you want to go after the hard business and compete with a fraction, a fraction of that? And then when you get really good at whatever it is you like to do, you'll now be in a different level where your competition is just less because you're the expert in that. So, oh, it's easy to list houses, but you list them at a level that's just even beyond what the market is. Great. It's always going to be easy for you. Well, so this is going to push some buttons, Matt, but... Ooh, I like pushing buttons. Just like when I'm in an elevator. It's like a Christmas tree. Oh, wait, you're talking about different buttons. You want to do it right before you get off the elevator. You got to hit them all. No, don't do that. Don't do that to people. Is that where the term pushing buttons came
0: from? No, probably not. But that would make sense. Yeah, if you have a building over like, I'd say, 10 floors. If you're over 10 floors and somebody hits all the buttons, that really pushes my buttons. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's where it came from, Matt. Well done. There we go. At least we, we, we found the source. In the aspect of pushing some of these realtors buttons out here, or any business owner, and I, this is what I've watched from my people that I've coached. When you're chasing that business, and you're just shifting and going, like, "Okay, hey, this is the business I need to do now," because it's there's more of it, it's easier to do. Okay, now we're going to shift over here, and we're going to do listings like people have been doing here for a while. Don't want any buyers right now; that's too hard. I tend to watch that and go, "Those are." It's hard to say it because then people are going to be like, "Really?" There are a lot of mediocre agents that fall into that category they're never the ones that are hitting the really high levels of referral business, raving fans, hitting massive high goals because they're doing so much business from all these different angles and they can handle anything. They're an expert in anything that might get thrown their way. When you're not really ever having to be an expert and you're just chasing where the easy stuff is, you're kind of stuck into like a constant mediocrity. You're never really that expert and professional when it comes to your industry. I want to encourage everybody like, these marketplaces, every single one gives you an opportunity to be the expert, to be the one that they're like, How are we going to get through this? I know we got to call Matt. Matt can help us. Every marketplace offers the opportunity. Most people just run away from it. Yeah. Here's the
1: other thing, too, Garrett. You mentioned chasing people who chase where the easy business is, is the path to mediocrity. And I think everybody should agree with that. And, and I think I'll expand on it by saying, you mentioned at the beginning, like, shouldn't we just be experts in both if that's what we do? And yes. And if you are an expert in both, then the easy business will come to you. When listings are easy, you'll just naturally do more listings because you're the guy. When buyers are easier to handle, you'll just naturally get more buyers because you're the gal. So when you're elevating beyond mediocrity, instead of chasing the easy business, the easy business will just flow to you. You're going to get it no matter what. And that's a major difference, right? And I've seen it with some of the people that we coach, Garrett, like, Year after year, I'm like, oh, interesting. Like you had more buyers this past year. I was like, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just kind of worked out that way this year. It just there is a lot of uh lot of buyers in the marketplace or
0: more listings this year. Yeah, it's just the it's the way it worked out. Think about it. If you're chasing here, you've got this marketplace we've just been in where it's like listings, 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 listings. And all of a sudden, like you've built this great empire of people that are like, Man, if you need to list a list of property, call Garrett, like that's the guy to list a property for. All of a sudden it shifts over here. We want more buyers. And they're like, yo, Garrett's a listing guy. That's how he's built himself. The guy's really good at listings. I don't know how he does with buyers. Like, I'm not really sure if that's like what his strength is. Yeah, I know if you have to list though, go use Garrett. When you're running back and forth and changing up your entire marketing plan and everything around this to lean one way or the other, you're constantly in that oh, shift entire strategy now running this direction, where you should just have one nice constant strategy where when someone needs help with real estate, I am ready. I don't care what it is. I don't care what marketplace it is in. I don't know if it's a buyer, if it's a seller, if it's an investor. Maybe they want to buy a commercial property. Maybe I should strengthen my areas around that stuff if I want to. Not saying you have to be in it all, but if you're going to pick residential real estate, don't jump back and forth between now I'm a listing agent, now I'm a buying agent, depending on the marketplace. Be an expert for all of them and and whatever might come up for them. Oh, man. And- with the raving
1: fans. The cool side effect is not only do they go scream your name from the rooftops and all that stuff. They send high quality referrals because you know people are like oh I get referrals all the time and I've been talking to people who've gotten a lot of referrals lately but they're kind of it's not the best referral. It's someone's like oh yeah call my guy, right? Not call Garrett, he's the only person you should ever talk to. It's yeah, yeah, give give Garrett a call. And then then you're competing against other realtors cuz the spouse may have also gotten a hey yeah call Bill and then they may have been like, and you know what, let's bring Jane in who lives down the street. And so you're going into a situation with an average referral, which is still great, by the way, because you have the opportunity to shine and put on and like hopefully you win. But you're also going into a situation where they're still looking at all three of you kind of the same. Whereas a raving fan is going to send you a referral that has this expectation of greatness. Now, this is a harder referral to take in from one aspect because you got to show up. And really perform. But the other side is you're probably not going to compete. They're just going to come to you and say, Garrett told me to come to
0: you and you're the best. And so I'm here. And I want to go one step further, Matt. Typically, if you really truly have a raving fan, some of it is just they want to protect that client so much that there's no option of them potentially working with somebody else. They want to take all that off the table. So what they do is they tell their friend, you got to work with Matt Benelli. And then they call Matt Benelli and they go, Matt, here is my friend's information. They're thinking about selling their house. I've already told them about you. Give them a call. They're expecting your phone call. That is a crushing, awesome referral. Like That is what you want every single time. That is a true raving fan. And that's what we're trying to create. It's not just referrals. I mean, The worst referral you can give is like, oh, Matt, I told my friend about you. You're going to be hearing from him. Well, that's not a
1: referral. That's word of mouth. I mean, we had Stacey Brown Randall on to talk about that. That's not an actual referral because there was no introduction, right? There's a need, no introduction, word of mouth. There's an introduction, no need. That's just an introduction. Combine those two together, you have a referral.
0: Yes. Every referral I try to give, I give referrals to people that I would rave about that I'd be super excited to be like, hey, you need to be working with this person. I want to make sure they're working with them. I want to make sure they have a good experience. So my my best bet is to call and say, hey, I've got so-and-so. I've already told them all about you. Here's their information. Give them a call. They're waiting for your phone call. We want to create people like that. And that's where this whole conversation started, Matt, is that when you help people in low-odd situations have exceptional results compared to the other people that they're watching out there in the marketplace this is an easy way to create raving pants. But you got to be good at what you're doing. Like This goes back to, as a core, you need to have systems and services and show up in a way that's going to produce results outside of the ordinary of what other people are experiencing. And if you can't create that, take a step back and look at your business and figure out, hey, working with buyers in the last two years, what could I have done to be an actual asset to those people rather than me going like, this is really hard. I'm just going to look for listings. Yeah.
1: You know, one of my core values, Garrett, is always be learning. And this is something that everybody should place into their core values. And that's learning from your experiences, learning from the situations that you're in, but also seeking out new knowledge and skill sets and things. Because the agents who are not focused on learning and sharpening their acts are not going to perform well in the next six months to a year. The agents that are, are going to put distance on those agents. And everybody's talking about the market shifting and all this stuff. It's still a very, very strong seller's market. You just need to have the skill set and the the thought to go learn of where's the more unique solutions that I can provide to help keep my sellers in a very strong negotiating position where they're getting the best prices. Had a great conversation with clients yesterday about that. We went through many different scenarios of how listings are presented, like how can we even still pull higher than average prices? on contracts by making different types of offerings for the buyer and making the property so darn easy to buy, whether that's cash at closing or whatever it might be. Huge. Even the pre-listing inspection, which still so many people don't do, I've heard from agents and home inspectors. That's the differentiator of why I got selected over another agent and home inspector saying, yeah, I don't know why more agents don't do this. So always be learning Seek out new education, you're going to create these amazing raving fans because you're going to be the one that comes up with solutions that they haven't even thought of, and in
0: an easy market, making it even easier, that can create a raving fan too. I'll kind of wrap this up on this, Matt, is like when I look back at like the buyers' agents of the last two years, we taught back in August together, we taught in Denver, and I remember asking the entire room we had a, i don't know how many people were there, Matt, two hundred yeah. There's probably 200 people in that room, or give or take, more than that.
1: Yeah, probably two, 250.
0: I asked the entire room. I said, yeah, how many people are, are really being successful with a lot of buyers out here right now? And that's probably your number one source of business. And you feel like you got... It's like two or three hands went up in the room. You know, everybody else was like going like, ah, don't give me any more buyers. That's pretty common around the United States of what we saw. Well, and the
1: thread between the people who were raising their hands is they talked about perfection and execution of their process.
0: Oh yeah, they were being successful, and it wasn't by accident. It wasn't just you know because they had a great personality, or oh I just happened to have all the cash buyers. Yeah, I just happened to see, you know. No, it's not the way it worked. So when you look at those people around you and you say, okay, well that's a learning opportunity. Like what are they doing that's making that business work for them? So learn from your peers, learn from the people around you as these marketplaces shift, and you watch people having successes. Because like the number one thing I heard in last year, Matt, was like, how do I get my offers acknowledged? Give me tips, tools, tricks to have my offer stand out when I place an offer because this is how I'm going to help my buyers better. Number one thing I saw was not in the offer being written. It was in the realtor-to-realtor relationship. It had very little to do with the numbers on paper. I had so many of my agents that just crushed it working with buyers. Nine times out of 10, they would come back saying, we didn't even have the best offer. (laughs)
1: Well, it was it was the best offer.
0: It was the one that won. And the more often when I dug down deeper, it was like, I created a dialogue with that agent. Here's my strategies for how I really got them to fight for the offer that I had been presenting to them on a different level than just the words that are on paper. And it's the difference of a lot of those agents just going like, we got to get the offer in fast. Things are moving quickly boom here's just the offer and they look at it and it's like oh this is just black and white we got you know numbers here okay great oh and here's this agent i actually got a chance to talk to them like this is a really great situation let me explain to you their situation and what's happening here very different ways that those offers show up and it wasn't that they offered a taco party
1: yeah although that did that did work the taco party
0: we did see that work once i saw it work
1: but it's not going to work every time. Yeah, once that's a very small sample size, and it gets old quick. It does get old, right? That's why a lot of these things, like it's hard to try them again. It worked the one time, but the next time, you know,
0: people are savvy to that. These guys got beef tacos. These guys have chicken tacos, Matt. I'm a t- I'm a chicken taco fan. I think I'm going to go this way. What about the shrimp tacos?
1: No, no chicken. Well, I'll throw this one thing out there too, and, and not to prolong the conversation, but we had mentioned in the skill set thing, the negotiation skill. And this is where I think a lot of people are light. And if you want to create raving fans, one of the highest value things that you can do for your clients is go to bat for them and negotiate. Negotiate for them, negotiate for yourself. And I see way too many agents that do their job as just, well, I'm just doing the activities. I'm going through the motions, just writing the offer and submitting it. That's not negotiating. What are you waiting for the negotiation to come to you? No, you go to the negotiation. And that is a skill that everyone can build and will work in every market and create
0: raving fans every time. So definitely lean into that. Here's my thing with that, Matt negotiation creates dialogue. We talk about communication with people. And the minute you open up negotiation, you are opening up communication with the other party there which now you're talking. Now you're sharing ideas. You're sharing strategies. You're trying to figure out how we're going to make this work for both parties. The negotiating on paper, yes, we have the five points to negotiate on just on the document itself. But until you can open up true dialogue with somebody, you're not negotiating. You're just putting down factors that are going like, I hope this works for them. You need to have that dialogue. And I think, Matt, your point is should be taken very... like I want people to really understand that. Like, The ball's in your court always to start negotiation, always to say like, well, what do you want? Let's go. Let's do this. Let's figure this out. Instead of waiting back and going, yep, lost another offer, which again, the reason we're having this conversation today is the game is changing out there. The game is always changing, but we are seeing different factors that we've never looked at here for a while. Some of them look similar to other markets we've been in the past. And then there's other pieces of it that are like, yeah, but that makes it so incredibly different than what we've seen in the past. Inflation right now makes it a totally different game. Interest rates, a lot of people haven't seen those right now. That changes the game. Other factors that are happening in the United States right now make it a totally different game or in the world right now make it a totally different game than just, oh, we're starting to see some more inventory come online. So be an expert, help people understand the marketplace and realize that in any given marketplace that's out there, people need your help getting from one place to the other. That's your job is to understand what they need and show them how they're going to get there.
1: So Matt, anything else you want to add? should put a big bow on this one. Well, I mean, there's always things. I mean, I got a lot of things that I want to talk about, but not necessarily related to this topic.
0: So... So we will circle back around. We'll circle back around on other topics and other directions. I want to say thank you to everybody out there for joining us as always. And as Matt gave you in the intro, go check us out at the Ninja Facebook community, Ninja Selling Podcast Facebook community. That is available for you out there. We are right at, I think, about 8,400 people in that group. Very fun to watch that grow. I just denied 824 people who asked to join that group. So just if you're like, why in the world did I get accepted? Because 824 people did not answer questions. (laughs) And most of them, and I appreciate this, was invited by somebody else. I looked at many of them and it was like so-and-so invited by their friend or another person they know into that group. Some of
1: those requests have been hanging there for a year.
0: Oh, they've been there forever. So again, just so you know, if you have asked me part of the group and we haven't been able to join, come back, answer some questions. I'm more than happy to add you into the group. Other than that, I appreciate everybody. Matt, thank you as always for joining me and spending time with me in the morning. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com.
1: There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible
0: day.